Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to Following On County Cricketer. I'm John Norman from Talk Sport alongside uh, former uh, County Championship winner, well, current County Championship winner. How do you describe it? Anyway, he won it twice. Uh, Steve Harmison, as well as Nick Friend from the Cricketer magazine. George DeBell's in a car on the way up to Leeds. This uh, show is being recorded on a Tuesday and will go out Thursday morning ahead of that third test match between England and New Zealand. We're not going to be talking too much international cricket, though. We're talking County Cricket. T20 Blast, County Championship uh, and all that jazz. You can get uh, involved, get in contact with the show either via Twitter or on YouTube, which is where you can find the show or on podcast or on TalkSport 2. We're everywhere, essentially. This is Following On County Cricketer. Well, Nick, Harmy, um, another very busy week for cricket where the test game's been turned on its head. Uh, suddenly we're the best test side uh, ever. I tell you what, for the last, I would say, 10 years, I've been asked the question by various presenters on TalkSport when England have been set a chase of about 300 on the final day. You know, why can't they just go out and hit the ball like they do in white ball cricket? You know, and I've always given the same answer, different ball, different field positions allowed, different tactics, you know, different uh, pitch degradation, all of that kind of stuff. And then after uh, Johnny Bairstow and Ben Stokes did what they did at Treadbridge, I've realised I've been chatting absolute nonsense. Actually, it is as simple as just going out there and trying to win a game of cricket. But uh, that's a discussion for another week. Top line this week uh, is going to have to be a, an article that's been rumbling around. We've seen it uh, here and there. But Lizzie Ammon, again in the Times, suggesting that uh, there's going to be huge changes to the county setup. Um, some of the changes mooted are a 12 team first division with an almost feeder league below it. Number 12 is important, isn't it? Because you need 12 counties to agree anything uh, if changes are going to get through. Uh, As well as the first two rounds to be played in either Sri Lanka or the Caribbean, maybe the UAE, which I'm sure if you're a BBC county cricket commentator, you'll be delighted to hear. A reduction in the NatWest Blast, not NatWest Blast, Vitality Blast schedule. 
uh, which I can kind of get on board with a little bit, but this is kind of where the 100 came in and was always going to get to this point. I'll start with you, Nick. First up, you know, if there are to be any changes to county cricket, you know, which ones would you essentially be on board with? <laughs> I think I think we I think there are obviously going to be changes of some description, aren't there? Because because there's the review, because there's a review going on and and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that there will be some changes. I don't I don't really think I mean I genuinely don't think anything's been decided. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me to see a reduction of games in the blast slightly. I, I, do, I do think a fourteen-game group stage is, is pretty long, and it's almost I've almost found it harder to follow this year in its sort of single block, you know, being played from beginning to end with the, with finals day in July, than I have done in the past in a way, which sounds odd to say, but but it's almost meant there's been you know, there been so many games you've had more games. Almost, it's almost felt there's been more games on days when there weren't games in the past. You sort of look up on a Monday afternoon, and there's something going on and. You're always talking about the blast. I think I mentioned on this, mentioned on the podcast before. I think that you're always talking about the blast and talking about how well someone played two days beforehand. You don't realise they've nicked off for naught since then, kind of thing. So it, was, it wouldn't surprise me to see a slightly. There are ways of doing it as well. I think if you go to, go back to three, 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 leagues, three groups of six, obviously you can then play home and away and have ten games each. And there are ways of doing it that I don't think would necessarily take away from the product. Although, obviously, the, obviously the clubs. Consider home games in, in the blast to be, you know, the, the money spinners, the the seven home games, and the, obviously that will cause issues, and understandably so. Um, I think the way the championship's been played this year, on the pitch it's been played on, and I think with the weather we've had early season as well, I think has sort of probably clouded what happens next. I think in a way because I think a lot of the stuff I think me and Harmo talked before before the show started that a lot of the stuff that people wanted to get for the championship this this year actually and going forwards, I think we've almost we've almost been given haven't we whether it's by but as I say whether it's because of pitches or the balls or or the very dry very warm weather we've had I don't know but I mean it, it feels like by accident or by design we've we've sort of stumbled across a championship summer that actually has produced you know Matt Potts for example in, in, in someone who took wickets on flat surfaces went to test cricket and took wicket has taken you know started very well has convincingly picked Jamie Overton I guess on a similar premise that he's done well in county cricket bowling quickly getting stuff out of Often quite lifeless flat surfaces, good for batting, and it's also meant that Alex Lee's came into the summer on the back of two big hundreds for Durham, and and even Zach Crawley, who hadn't had a particularly good start to the season with Kent, I think got two big fifties. I think before <laughs> big fifties, two fifties, <laughs> before um before he before he came into that England side too. So, and obviously Harry Brook as well is waiting the wings, and there, there is a, you know there there is currently a line of guys waiting who are in Nick, which we've perhaps not had in the past for for a number of reasons. But yeah, it, it does make it slightly odd then, doesn't it, talking about all these potential things that could change next year, given that actually what we've seen this year has been fairly see, fairly promising. Certainly in certainly the way the cricket's been played and the number of games that have gone four days and the number of you don't want boring you don't want high school and boring draws, but I think you'd rather in a sense have those than than a long stream of games ending in two days, which which you know we have had in the past. So you would or wouldn't countenance a reduction in county championship games? I don't like. The, I, I don't particularly like the ten game proposal. To be completely honest, I they do it in the Shield. It's at the Sheffield Shield, and there's so it's not like it, it wouldn't be unique. And I, you know, I'm fairly sure that no country plays more domestic first class cricket than we do, anyway. So I can certainly under, understand the arguments for. I can and so and also you know we we all say there's a lot of you know there's. There, there is it does feel like there's too much cricket at times doesn't there I mean as, as much as we love the game there is a lot of it so I, I can understand a lot of it but 
without you know without playing on the weather thing look you know we've, we've had a pretty dry summer so far but there's nothing to say you're not going to lose two or three rounds next year and then suddenly you've got a seven or eight game season no I, I've just enjoyed what we've seen this year and so and no I, so no I think on balance no but I can but I can see where the argument stems from based more on what's happened Harmi, in the past than this year Harmi what about you as a former player um, but also as somebody who supports a club that doesn't get international cricket that won't, doesn't have a hundred team you know a reduction in, in cricket how does that how would that sit with with Durham members how would that sit with yourself as a former Durham player I think it's a hard one because the members the members are a lot of the members of the four day cricket are over the edge where tradition is is huge and I think we have to move move on the game's moving on the game's evolving so there's a fine balance of what you what you sort of what you need what you require but also to have the best product. And unfortunately, no matter what, and no member will like me for saying this, you can't get away that the, the, the white ball cricket is taking over, it's where it makes the money, and that's what that's what drives the game and keeps the game. So there's a fine balance between the two. I think what Nick said is right. Whichever way you look at it, whether it was an accident, the ball's not being very good, we're getting a better surface, we're getting better cricket, and we will get better cricket because directors of cricket, academy directors are now trolling around 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds to try and find the next fast bowler or the next mystery spinner because the days of, in my county, the likes of Chris Rushworth, Dan, Kent, Dan, Darren Stevens, one or two others, Luke Fletcher, 78, 80-mile-an-hour bowlers that just put it there and thereabouts have been so good for the last five years. On these surfaces, they're not in the game. And we're trying to produce test match cricket. I, I put a tweet out. I never tweet. But I commented on the Durham game against Leicester the other day. And obviously, I sat with Marcus North for a bit, a very, very good friend of mine who's done a great job at Durham. Um, and I tweeted about the club going forward, and they are going forward. And it's like, but unfortunately, they haven't got the financial resources to compete with some of the big boys. And when you're trying to navigate a group, of, Durham's only got 15 professional cricketers, and they've got a few rookies, and then they've got the academy and everything that goes with it. Financially, we can't compete. We try to compete. We can't. But because we've only got 15 cricketers, and two of them 15 are Ben Stokes and Mark Wood. And then you throw in Potts leaving, going to England, Cast leaving, going to England, Leeds leaving, going to England. Then all of a sudden, the product that you're putting out there from Durham County Cricket Club, Marcus North, James Franklin and beyond, that will get better because of the next generation coming through. We'll be given their chance. We might go through some hardship, but we'll come good in the end. That's what Durham have done for years. Myself and Paul went. And then, you know, we took it took it on the chin for a little bit. What we do, the, the likes of Mustard and Onions and Plunkett, next generation, got their heads from 17 to 21, got in the England team, they went, next one's come, Stoneman, Borthwick and all that. So there's a bigger picture in the county setups that you have to look at. Producing the best pitch possible, which produces the best cricket possible, which produces the best cricketers. Now, at the minute, the system has got too many games. I'm looking at the schedule for, for some of these teams They've got no break in between. There's no recovery time in between. And gone are the days of my generation and the one before that, Goffies, and the one before that again saying, nah, we played three-day games, we played two days here, we went off and played a one-day game on a Sunday and come back and finished it. Them days have gone. So there's a fine balance and a fine art. We have to find some formula to see if we can get the games down to 12, team, uh, 12 games. If we play 12 first-class games a season, I think that's the right number. How we get that, not so sure. 
I think we need to get to that point, and I think work back from that point. The blast, I can see the reduction in the blast. I would actually go the other way. I'd try and add teams to the blast. I'd, I'd, I'd try and add the Netherlands, Scotland, and Ireland, and have seven, three, t uh, three groups of seven with one of the emerging nations in and play, and then you play 12 group games, and you go straight to finals day. So you, you basically play 14 games if you win, 13 games if you get to finals day. That's where I would go down that road from the blast. But that would always feed into the 100 for me. The 100, the draft for the England players at the 100 is straight after straight after the um, the blast. So the English players go into the blast, the 100 draft, straight after the Vitality blast. And it rewards little Johnny, who's had an unbelievable blast, who's on a 25, 30 grand contract in his, in his county. He's had a good year. He gets he gets a contract in the 100. Because at the minute, no matter how well you do in the blast, you're not available till the, the following year. So I think there are things that need looking at. It is, the, our system's a little bit flawed. But I don't think it's as broken as what a lot of people think because what we've, what we've stumbled on is flat pitches with balls that aren't doing as much. So we are eventually going to have to produce fast bowlers because if not, batters are just going to rack up, run and run and run, and games are going to finish in a draw. So the, the, the thought will be the other way and try and bring the game closer together. And it might take some time, but we'll be better for it. The one thing I'd add on that is I think what will happen next year as well is the 50 over comp will come more into will come more into play because there's 50 over World Cup at the end of the year. So where now my my view my personal view on that is I I can I couldn't tell you the last England player who was picked to play an ODI on the strength of 50 over form. So I'm not convinced that it's a massive issue because I think England's I mean we saw last week with the world with the world record total didn't we that England are frankly playing their 50 over games as, as extended T20s these days aren't they almost almost with certainly the skill sets you just you just do them for longer and you know where there are those more specialised positions like Joe Root's position at three Joe Root does it so it's not really they're not desperately looking for someone to fill that role at the moment but it wouldn't surprise me nonetheless if there was an attempt to get the best white ball players playing the 50 over comp next year as I say as much as I don't necessarily think Joss Butner needs to play a domestic 50 over comp to be ready to play 50 over World Cup um, come the end of the year. Likewise, one thing that Harvey touched on actually with talk about talk about recovery time between games. I think what's interesting there is it's, it's almost not only recovery time; it's it's sort of the time to work on your game. And I think that is when we talk about there being too much cricket. It's almost not just the bodies; it's the fact that if you're out of nick, you're out of nick because your only real opportunity to get yourself back into the runs or to you know to work on your action again is almost mid September, late September, isn't it? Once once you're all done, then you sort of Go to win. so basically if you if you lose form in mid July there's no chance really to to take a step back for a week two weeks and and look at how you're going to get your game back and you're almost finding you're almost looking to rediscover your rhythm in game and if you're rediscovering your rhythm in game and you're out of rhythm then you get drops and then suddenly the only time you've got to work in your game is when you've been pushed out the side by someone else if that guy that makes the runs you're not getting back in anyway so until the next year so I've certainly I spoke to um a couple of the, I think David Betty and Ricardo Vasconcelos last, at the start of the season actually, he'd, he'd spent the winters in South Africa and I think, I think it was Vasconcelos who said that he'd not hit a ball, he, sorry, he'd not played a game at all, he just hit balls through the winter. It wasn't, for him, it wasn't about going back and playing club cricket or provincial cricket or whatever, it was literally about what did I feel like I slightly lost last summer in in that sort of, you know, mid-grind as it were and what did I need to sort of put right. So there's, 
I think as much as the recovery time, it's it's also that time to to become a better cricketer during the season that I think is is really important that perhaps doesn't take place. And likewise, actually, on that, I mean, between you talk about producing fast bowlers, I think I think Matt Potts is a really good example. It's not just about producing fast bowlers; it's producing skillful bowlers. It's so I think actually there'll be this winter shouldn't be seen as like a doom and gloom exercise for guys who are 80, 81 mile an hour. It's a chance to put on two mile an hour, get yourself to 83 and work on skills that even if you're not rapid can, can take, you know, can have success on flat pitches. Cause as I said, Matt Potts is not, you know, is, is six, seven, eight mile an hour slower than Jamie Overton, but you know, has had the same success because he's found the skills to, 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 to wear teams down, to break teams down on good surfaces. So it shouldn't be, I think this win should be, should be seen as an opportunity for players to to upskill as much as some guys are not going to hit Harmy's speed because they're not six foot four, six foot five with you know the, the natural you know physique and the natural skill set that that allowed him and allowed and obviously has allowed you know all those guys with those stress fractures at the moment to hit those speeds. So there is there is look at Jimmy Anderson. We talk about producing fast bowlers. Really, England is still being led by two guys bowling eighty three, eighty four mile an hour. It's just that they've got the skills to do it, and I think that is almost. Well, that is certainly as important because there, there are more guys who can't bowl 90 mile an hour than can bowl 90 mile an hour. So it's working out that you've got to... It's working out a skill set that can survive and thrive on these pitches if you don't have that natural physique, I think, isn't it? Until they go overseas. But anyway, that's... Uh, well, that's, we, we say that. We, we say that Ollie, England's, England's best bowler in Australia last year was Ollie Robinson. Yeah, you, you say they go overseas, but the problem England have had in this sort of 18 months that we've we've had is that we've got so no confidence in our cricket whatsoever. We go overseas now to Pakistan, we've got a chance. We go to New Zealand now, we've got a chance. Off the back of, well, we're two from two. If we end up being four from six, four from five from seven, whatever whatever it is, if we can win more cricket matches this summer than we lose, we stand a better chance of going to Pakistan with our heads up and chests out than our heads down and thinking, here we go again, if Joe doesn't get a double 100 in the first innings, we're not going to win. I think even if England were not to win another test, don't say another test this summer, if, if England were to win one more test this summer, I think they would still, it's almost less about, it's, I think the, the McCullum, I think what all the players said about that Trent Bridge test appears to be that McCullum's take on it was very much, the result is almost secondary to the way we play. And if, you, if we, I think England have shown uh, just in these last two tests it's almost not just about the winning because if you can I think the self-belief they'll have gained just from those two wins will show them you know, will, will sound like good said even if they do go on a run of, of losses because because they will know that they can win games Plus they scored runs that's the, the, the top bottom of England, English cricket at the top level in England we've never had an issue with wickets going back for years going back 25 years we've never had a problem with wickets because we'll always create chances in this country and we've always been able to get wickets. The problem we've had done is we are in England. A good score in England is around about 400. A good score overseas is not 400. It's not 400. It's four, It's 500. And I think we don't bat big enough overseas to give, even if our bowlers are sometimes redundant on Kookaburra balls and flat pitches, we'll still, we've still got skill sets to bowl teams out. The problem we've had is we've only had one bloke who really See, I've scored runs in the last two years overseas to give us a chance to win games. And when he has, we've won. So that's the belief that these last two games is going to give is that we're finding a way to win. Whatever way it is, we're trying. We're getting into a five-day contest. And it just seems the good thing about Brendan is we're going to find a way of getting out of this contest in five days by a win. 
And if it means we go and chase 300 and 280 on a fourth day, a fourth innings, fifth day pitch at Trent Bridge, we're going to find a way to do it. And that's the beauty about, that's the beauty in any sport, no matter what sport you play. The greatest saying from anything is, if you've got a contest going toe-to-toe for 90 minutes, for you know, 80 minutes in rugby or whatever, you stick with that team and you find a way to get over the line. And you'll get better from it. And I think that's what they've done. We're going to have to wrap this up, guys, because we do have to talk some county cricket. Um, I've also got Mark Wood on the line here. I've also got Mark Wood on the phone, Nick. He wants to talk to you about you saying Ollie Robinson was England's most successful bowler in the Ashes. <laughs> one, let's just say one think, or, one or he, two. He, he, Oh, I've got Stuart Broad as well here. He wants to uh, mention he took more wickets than oh, no, Broad. Broadie would be off his long run having a go. Oh, here hang on. Oh, Joffrey Archer wants to get in contact with you as well. He says, oh, if, if he'd been there, he would have been more successful than Ollie Robinson as well. <laughs> but anyway, we can, uh, we can revisit that. Okay, let's get on with the show. Moments of the week. Okay, um, the big moments then, really. We saw, or I saw Goffey on Sunday. Um, Harmy, he was part of the TalkSport commentary team for the second Netherlands-England ODI, which thankfully got going in the end. Yeah, he was spitting because Yorkshire Yorkshire lost two games that they really should have won against Derbyshire. I mean, the South group, okay, we are recording this before Surrey plays Somerset. Actually... I imagine the rest of the group wants Surrey to win that because if Somerset beat Surrey, then the top two, it looks like it's just going to it's it's going to be as it is. Surrey are going to qualify. Somerset look like they're going to as well. If they beat Surrey, then it almost certainly will. The North group, though, wow, that is a ridiculous group. That's um, I mean, we talk about the group stages being too long, but I agree with the South group. You could just finish that that one now. But the North group, that's a proper competition. I mean, if you take the top, if you take the top two away from the South Group, it's it is similarly congested, isn't it? It's only weirdly, it's only. I think I think James currently admitted a couple of nights ago that he reckons Sussex are done now, but and and Kent, who obviously won it only last September, have been a, a bottom of only won twice. I actually, what I actually watched Kent on Sunday at Lords, and it was very weird because it's mostly the same side that won the last last season, and they just look a million miles off it. Um, they've got. A lot, I think she's got a lot of guys out of Nick at the same time, which is not really what it, really where you want to be. But if you take if you get rid of Kent and Sussex, mate, you've effectively got Essex, Gloucestershire, Hampshire, Glamorgan, Middlesex to push with their pretty inferior net run rate, um, fighting for what for for two spots. If you discount Surrey and Somerset, who I think are, I mean, I think I, I'd, I'd be amazed if there was a year when seventeen points would sorry sorry if got now didn't get you through at the end of the group stage they're they're almost I mean they're almost certainly through aren't they and I think the north group has been really interesting because I think a couple of I think a couple of less fashionable sides let's say well you say less fashionable but sides have actually been very successful in this competition in the past and obviously north ants two-time winners Leicester obviously three-time winners they're not currently in the top four but they've I mean they're right in the mix then you've got Derbyshire who've who are historically not very good at this competition the last ever county to reach finals day but Shah Massoud is Moulton Sultan's leading run score in PSL history. Mickey Arthur has done a brilliant job, hasn't he? And I think so far, and yeah, I mean, they've won four in a row, I think. I mean, they, so they've, it's, it's a really tough group. And I think North Ants have, I was at Wanted Road actually for um, for the Charlotte Edwards Cup finals day a couple, of, a couple of Saturdays ago now. And I was speaking to a couple of North Ants regulars there. They just could not stop talking about Chris Lynn and the, 
the the general gist it appeared to be that Northampton was a was a little small for his hitting, and <laughs> so they're just saying they'd never seen the ball hit so hard. But it's not. But crucially, I think actually with both Derbyshire and Northampton, it's not just been Chris Lynn and Sean Masood. At Northampton, Josh Cobb's had a brilliant year, um, and he's a brilliant T Twenty cricketer. He's a two. T- I think he's a two time blast final man of the match once with Leicester once with Northampton and Derby and Wayne Madison's been a brilliant T20 player for a very long time Mark Watt was a very astute signing and they've just and they've they've had contributions all over and they've it's been and it's it's me and it means that Knox despite having a couple of really high catching wins you know languishing down in seventh and Worcester who when they've got their you know when they're at full strength they've got Moen Alley Colin Munro Dwayne Bravo Ed Barnard's uh, Pat Brown, Ed Pollock, all on the same side. They've won one from ten. It's it's been extremely competitive, really, isn't it? And even Yorkshire, who started the season pretty stacked, are outside that top four at the moment. So, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting next sort of couple of weeks, wouldn't it? As the as those last four games take place and sort of eight merge into four. Harmy, uh, you were commentating for Sky on Sunday. You weren't on Talk Sport duty. Durham were playing. They, uh, they, yeah, they. Well, Durham went out there. <laughs> the boys went out there, but I wouldn't say the, yeah, they, they, they just didn't, didn't go, right, go right for Durham. I thought Leicester played well. I thought the two spin bowling attacks were, I thought on on show were were going to be good. But Leicester bowl out bowled Durham on the on a surface which was responsive to spin, and I thought the the, the Leicester players, you know, got themselves in a position. For Johan Mulder to go and smash it at the end, and he got one to get fifty yard off about thirty four balls. It was good because I had to give him out of the match. Nothing against him. I just I didn't want to give an overseas amount of the match. I wanted to give it to Rian Ahmed, who had four for about fifteen off four overs. He bowled beautifully. His googly was amazing. Seventeen year old, he come and play on TV. He ran down the wicket, second ball when he was batting with a wicket keeper standing up, and then. He bowled. He bowled four beautiful overs. Um, so there, there is one to watch along with the other Parkinson, Callum. I thought Callum bowled fantastically well, um, and Durham, Durham weren't at the races. But like I said earlier, the, the problem that Durham have got at the minute. Um, who would have thought if you're trying to plan for this year when you were looking at it at the end of last year, losing, you know, having literally having no wood, no stokes, no cast, no pots, and no leaves. All five of them would have been in the side. So, look, that's that's unfortunately where Durham's at at the minute. I look at the the groups and I see, like Nick was saying, I think there's as well as the five teams playing for two places in the in the South group, all the way down to Middlesex, and the top two have gone. Um, and even in the even in the in the North group, Notts having one game less, two games less on Leicester. I'm thinking Notts might win this, you know, because for Notts to get to finals day, they've got to win every game. So they've, they've literally got to win every group game now. So what have they got? They've got five five games left in this. They've got to win every single one. And if they do that, I wouldn't fancy playing them in the quarterfinals or getting them on or getting them on finals day, no matter how well Lancashire or North Ants or Surrey or Somerset have played. Because you get that in, you get it in IPL. And I used to do it all the time. Indians, Mumbai Indians done it a few times. The team that comes out of the pack, that finishes fourth in the group, who's had to win the last four games, have got a chance so don't rule knots out because they are and one thing about knots they're, they're big showtime aren't they you know the, the players that they've got the big boys um on the big stage when the cameras are on they'll perform they've just obviously not performed as well as what they would have and i think the yorkshire stuff 
with the David Willey and Tom Cole Cadmo and all the politics that's gone on in, in recent times, which is just overshadowing the club again. I just wonder if that has affected the last two results for for Otis Gibson and and for, for, for Yorkshire because they should they beat Durham on Friday night and you're thinking, right, the two games they've got, they're going to be top of the league. And all of a sudden they didn't get a point. And David Willey's stuff came out while he's away with England. I'm calling Cadmore's stuff's just come out. Possibly one or two more that are going to go. And you're thinking, is that just derailed the Yorkshire the Yorkshire juggernaut? So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be a fascinating week. But if the likes of Yorkshire and not out of the out of the North Group, if they get to quarter final, they've got a great chance of going on and win it because they've got to then win a lot of games between now and then. And the momentum they'll have going into it stands them in good good stead because they've got very very good players. You'd say you'd say not to the team in that North Group that you would back to win five in a row, wouldn't you? If if they had to win five in a row, just with the just with the stars and just with the firepower they've got, like top of the order, and then down to down Christian's experience and yeah, they could play. They could have a good. They could have ten days where they just blow five teams away, and then and then suddenly, as you say, and also crucially this year, momentum is a thing because in the past you've had to wait two or three weeks for your quarter final, then another two or three weeks for your finals day. Whereas this year you finish, you finish, you finish the group stage, you jump to your quarter final, and then finals day is in three weeks, isn't it? So I mean, three weeks from now. So so it is. I mean, Surrey's biggest, you know, Surrey's biggest issue almost is, you know, how long can they sustain that run for? Obviously they're they're nine unbeaten and they're eight wins and a, and a rain off so for them it's almost more a case of making sure they don't hit a wall come game 13 because you don't want to sort of limp into that quarterfinal having been so dominant up until now but they've been we watched a, a fair bit of them in the South they've just been they've just got so many options I mean you look at um, you get most teams five down the blast with a couple of exceptions and I think there's 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 you'd sort of breathe a sigh of relief to a point, wouldn't you? You, you sort of know that you've got beyond the big, the certainly the established stars at least. But um, but Kyron Pollard walks out about at seven, and then you've got Jamie Overton at eight, and Jordan Clark and Chris Jordan, and the hitters just keep on coming. And I, and I assume you never feel safe, which is I think where Hampshire probably felt against at the GS Bowl on was that Friday night? No, sorry, on Sunday when they were very competitive, and then and then Pollard hit I think 30, 35, 20 up balls. That could be dangerous, though. The minute you start feeling safe, you stop doing what you've done in the first place to get you there, and it's like the momentum going all the way, the team's coming in. Guys, we're going to have to move things on, but one thing I will say about Surrey, and I know I don't need any excuse to talk about Surrey, is, you know, Jamie Smith essentially was batting at number nine for three of the T20s, I think. Yeah, batted at nine. And then once Jason Roy got called up for England, Jamie Smith is opening the batting with Will Jacks. And he was open. He wasn't open. He was coming in at number four in the county championship game um, against Somerset. So when you've got a wicketkeeper batsman who essentially can open in T20 or play at four in four day stuff, and he's down at nine, and then you've got a side where I think we were at the same game, Nick, when Surrey used seven different bowlers, and Sam Curran was playing and didn't bowl. The, the other one, the other one is Jacks himself, who obviously, I mean, his offspin's gone massively in the last twelve months, but he's. You know, he's played almost. He's played as Surrey's first choice off spinner in the championship. He's batted at six, seven. He's obviously opening up in the blast with Roy, um, not bowling in all the games. I mean, they, it's such a malleable, I think, sort of well-oiled side at the moment. That, and I think I also think Chris Jordan has used himself very intelligently. Um, he's known, yeah, 
He's I, captain I mean, very he's played, well, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he's he's obviously played T Twenty cricket for England for for years, but he and all over the world. But the way he's used himself, but I think he he's brought himself on at the end of the power play once or twice, knowing he needs a wicket and has taken a wicket. He's bought himself at the end. He's saved himself for the second half of the innings. He's been it's been very streetwise. Absolutely. Okay, let's get on with uh, race to Australia. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Race to Australia. Okay, so uh, by the time you listen or watch this, England would have played their third ODI. Um, it'll be. Re- I hope that David Payne and Luke Wood get a, a game. It was great to see Bride and Cast play Harmy. Essentially, I felt really sorry for Netherlands because the two things that England need within their test squad, actually, the two things that make the difference when you play test cricket is to have a good leg spinner and a 90-mile-an-hour bowler, you know. And Netherlands were 36 for three, and Scott Edwards and uh, Van Beek were coming up, yeah, coming up against Adil Rashid and Bryden Kass. And you just say, oof. But they got through it just somehow in Scott Edwards' uh, position. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was great to see Bryden Kass playing, and, you know, it just indicates that there's another one coming off the... Uh, coming off the Durham fast bowler factory that's going to be ready to play not just uh, ODI cricket where nobody else can play. He's He looks the real deal. He is the real deal. I've, I said this last year, I'm working you know, on, on the Cricket Collective. I did a couple of games for TV last year up at Durham and highlighted what makes him quick, what, it, what where he gets his pace from. You know, that brace front leg, really high, tall action. 
follow through. His, his right hip drives through, which gives that's where he gets his pace from. But a javelin thrower, um, and he makes use of all of his height. It's, it's he's got a beautiful action. Um, he's unlucky to get a, an injury with the Lions in the I think it was in the winter. Um, and this very program at the start of the year, one to watch. It was going to be Bryden Cast, but he wasn't fit, so I went with the other one, Matt Potter. <laughs> you know, and they've, got, they've not got similar characteristics, but they've got a similar mentality, which is you know, they're pretty strong boys, and all they want to do is hit the pitch hard. Durham, you know, this, what's it called now? The seat unique Riverside is a surface where the harder you hit it, the more chance you've got something out to come out of it. Last week, to be fair, there should have been dot points last week because that's a poor pitch. You know, with six or 590 played 600 and whatever, they're not great pitches. But I can see, you know, they're trying to produce the fast bowler. Um, there's got a little bit, be a little bit more in it for the ball. But you, you, very you, once once a year, you get a pitch like that with a, taking all the moistures out of it. But when I look at that that boy play, he's got something special about him, and we just got to keep him fit. If England keep cast fit, he'll play test matches. He'll play test matches because. He also fits in that number eight category, eight nine. Probably not. He's probably not as good as a number eight as what Stuart Broad was in the past, or not quite as good as what an Ashley Giles was that balanced our side up. But he still, he still can. I think he can still get fifties. Giles got fifties for England. Still think he can get sort of fit, you know fifties for England at number eight. But he gives you something different on a on a flat pitch, hitting the deck hard. He's a he is a very very good bowler, and England will England will need him because it doesn't look like Joffrey's coming back anytime soon. Looking at, and I've not spoke to Mark, I've not spoke to Mark Wood, but it just seems that Mark's still not obviously not hundred percent. It wouldn't surprise me if Mark Wood get rolled out for the hundred. Plays a possibly if he gets through the hundred, one or two of the South African Test matches, and they'll keep him for the World T Twenty because he's so important. With all the other bowlers gone, he's so important that England and England won't want him to, to sort of waste anything at Durham. Saqib doesn't look as though he's coming back anytime soon. Joffre doesn't look as though they're coming back anytime soon. So you look at what the options are, and Bryden Cast for me is a very, very good option in not just one day cricket, but when we go to Pakistan and test matches, if England feel as though they need him for the World T twenty in the shorter format, they won't let him go and pack you know, the, I think they might keep him away from the Pakistan trip. But if the feel as though and, and the World Cup coming in the summer, but I think if um, if England needs some firepower, I think he I think he'd do a good good job in Pakistan because he gets a pitch hard. And what about Phil Salt, Nick? Um, he's been, you know, he's got a hundred, he's got a seventy odds. He's really impressed me whenever he's played for England. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but um, you know, a big blow for Sussex to lose him, and uh, he looks ready, ready to make the step up if and when. A position makes itself available. He's just got. It's almost like he's got. When I watch him bat, it's, it's sort of got like the bottom hand dominance of like a Johnny Bairstow as kind of opener, and then, but sort of that rank fearlessness that that has made Jason Roy so big for this England team for for the last seven years as well. Like he's he's so he's almost the epitome of being like next to that production line, isn't he? In, in terms of just the complete sort of like selflessness to the way he attacks the power play but also but not only that but um, but the fact that he doesn't particularly rein it in afterwards he's he's almost sort of like there for a you know he's there for a good time and hopefully for a long time and 
that is um I think Morgan spoke about it ahead of Jason Roy's hundredth ODI on, on on Sunday and as almost as much as Roy's runs, it was always about the his philosophy and sort of the way that he set the tone and the way that he looked to attack it at the top and you know, the number of times that Roy you know, Roy could have Roy could have walked to hundred once he was seventy not out against against Netherlands on Sunday, but you know, well above the rate and everything, but eventually, you know, caught short third man trying to whack one out of the ground and that's I think that the approach that he's brought is not dissimilar to the one that Salt brings. It's just extremely cavalier, but extremely, but it's everything England would want in in their next opener. Because, because also you've you've got it, you've got to do that to be England's next opener. Because everything England wanted a backup wicketkeeper, wicketkeeper opening the batsman. Hundred percent, and exactly, and because and and crucially, it's what it's what you have to be. Because if it's not going to be you, it's going to be Tom Banton or Will Smead or God. I, Gonna, gonna forget so many guys here just by reading, you know, but or, to, or Tom Curley Cadmore, or you know, when he was available, or Alex Hales. There are, there are Will Jacks. There are so many, there are so many guys. Liam Livingston could bat up, could do that job. Moen Ali has done that job. There are millions of guys you're competing with, and guys who, you know, watching, you know, even just watching guys who are nowhere near at the moment, you know, someone like, you know, Joe Cracknell at Middlesex, whack, you know, wax it in the blast. So Michael Pepper's got big runs in the blast, you know, batting you know similarly aggressive way. Everyone's doing it, so you've got to be, you've got to do it better than everyone else. Salt and Peppers. So, but yeah, well, that's the that's the dream partnership, isn't it? Salt and Pepper up at the top together. You've, <laughs> you've, you've, you, it's the only way of doing it, and you can't afford to take your foot off the gas. Almost, you've got to be smart, and I think Salt has that smartness. Has I think Salt has developed that that game smart, both when he was at Sussex now at Langs. And, but yeah, it's it is the most competitive spot in English sport, isn't it? Certainly in English cricket, you know, to be the next one after Roy or Bairstow. The thing I'm pleased about Salt is he hasn't missed his chance. I think that was he was under more pressure than Jason Roy or Josh Butler or anybody else because if he doesn't score runs, somebody else takes place the next time, and it's a miles away. The really good thing I've enjoyed about what Phil's done is he's took his chance, and if he turns around and says, "Well, Johnny comes in." Ben comes, Stokes comes in, whatever. Well, I'm still knocking on that door and good on him for that. Good stuff. Okay, we're running out of time, guys. Let's get to the mailbag. The mailbag. Okay, we're uh, approaching the end of the show. We have had a question in, though, from Ian Hemmins, who says, what's going on at Yorkshire? Two players leaving in, David Willey and Tom Kohler cadmore um, I know earlier in the show, Harmy, you were saying that maybe that had... You know, some of the behind-the-scenes shenanigans might have contributed to Yorkshire's defeats. I'm not. I say, well, look, I, I saw Goffey on Sunday. Without revealing too much, he spoke to me about both of those players, and I think the Tom Kohler Cadmore departure has been on the cards for a while. So no, so that's not a huge surprise. And um, I, I, the David Willey one, look, he's from Northampton. His family's from that part of the world. He's got a young family. I think the feeling is good luck to him if he wants to go back to Northampton. So I, I've also spoken to him. They've got, they could be signing somebody. There's lots going on there. So if you're a Yorkshire fan, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think obviously there's a lot going on in terms of what happened in the past, trying to right those wrongs. That's taking up a lot of time. But I know of one bowler that they're looking to bring in, and if they bring him in, the Yorkshire fans will be quite, will have a happy end to the season, I imagine. So 
I, I, I don't think there's too much uh, too much to be worried about in terms of the playing side. Those two defeat. I think Godfrey, I think basically they, their batting's where it should be. Their bowling needs a little bit of work in the T20s. But then, of course, they've got you know they've got some players back from England duty, and, and they're a very very strong side. You know, does Joe Root even get into their T20 side if you know they've got all of their players? He captained at the start, so I think he would get back in. Um, no, look, the, the thing that, from a Yorkshire's point of view, it is a it is a fantastic cricket club who has had troubles, and it will it will heal themselves hopefully very very soon and work to try and make Yorkshire the best they possibly can be under a, a, a new start and a new regime. Um, not to withstand what's happened before, I still think they'll they've got to address quite a few things in that point of view, um, and they're trying their best. And but what I will say is, and Goffey will be saying it: if they don't want to play for Yorkshire, then fair enough, go play somewhere else. If David Willey wants to go and play for Northampton, that's fine. Whatever drives David Willey to go back to Northampton because he's a Northampton boy, so be it. Same as Cola Cadmore, people will want to play for Yorkshire. And when people want to play for a big county like Yorkshire, Lancashire, Surrey and all the big boys, no doubt there'll be a better side for it. So I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Yorkshire member at this minute in time from on the field stuff because I think they're going in the right direction. I still think there's a mile to go, a huge amount to go off the field. But if they can get that right, hopefully yeah, healing times will be good. And if people don't want to play for him, I think I'm probably taking the words out of Goffey's mouth. Then we'll move on and we'll get somebody else that does want to play for us. Absolutely. Well, look, guys, we're going to have to bring it to a close then. Next week, we will be looking back. The county championship's back. I'm glad Nick reminded me before we went to air. Two huge games, Essex versus Hampshire in the county championship division one and Nottinghamshire versus Middlesex in uh, division two. So they both get underway on the 26th. Um, so we will be reflecting on those matches and much, much more here on Following On County Cricketer. Thanks for joining us. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmison, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.